This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I heard the Lord during that song just let all stress go. So just release all stress. We're in a time, I would say a busy time, but we're always busy now. <laughs> so release all stress unto the Lord. All the heaviness. Just relax in His presence. Oh. Let him touch every part of your soul. Every part. Every part that is weary, discouraged. Let him touch all the to-do list and the stress. Just give it to him. <laughs> Just give it to him. Let his peace that surpasses all understanding saturate your being. Peace. The peace of God that surpasses all natural understanding takes revelation upon revelation. The peace of God. God is at perfect peace. He's always been at peace. Even before time, he was at peace. He's never been rattled. He's never fallen off the throne. He's never been shook up. <laughs> he's, he's always been at peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And his peace invades our life. Nothing missing, nothing broken in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. They say that stress causes many of our diseases we're to be a stress-free people we give it comes but we give it to the lord thank you jesus there's somebody uh you're having digestion issues and the lord's touching that now and and everything will go the way it's supposed to go Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if that's anyone here. It could be someone listening to this recording. So I'll just speak healing in the digestion area. The speaker released the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I speak to the body. And the body, you submit to what we say. And we speak and declare the way you will behave. And digestion system, you will function in the God's perfection the way God created you to function. We're the ones that take rulership and dominion over our bodies. Hallelujah. We have authority over our bodies. Our bodies listen to us. Stop listening to your body and take authority and speak to your body and tell your body the way it's going to act, the way it's going to be. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We get used to listening to our body. We need to be speaking to it and telling it the way it's going to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. We give you all the praise. Yes. All glory, all honor, all praise, all adoration. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Bless your name, Father. Bless you, Jesus. Oh, Lamakasakata. Oh, Lamakata. Thank you for your anointing, Lord. Destroying the yoke, burden removing. <laughs> Power of God released into our bodies, energizing, equipping, fulfilling purpose. Alakama sobrobo kubrenteke. Little Brobo Kurabaki, Sikita Makurabakata Makata, Lokotorotobatopatopako, Sikarama. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Aha, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Your carriers, vessels, and honor in the house of the Lord. Carriers of the presence of God. Holy Spirit has taken up residence on the inside of us. And we're contagious because we're carriers of God's presence. Thank you, Lord. And we walk into a room, the atmosphere changes. So we bring the presence of God. Where there's strife and turmoil, we bring peace. We bring communication. <laughs> we bring resolution. We bring the answer. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Mm. If you have a need right now, you can get it <laughs> fulfilled. Just, just lift your hand and say, I receive right now a financial blessing, debt cancellation. Divine intervention into the affairs, your affairs, divine intervention of God. Hallelujah. Making the crooked places straight. His favor and divine order in your life. Nothing is impossible. Get your eyes on the impossible and see it as yours. As I'm not withholding from you, saith the Lord. I'm pouring forth towards you. I'm giving forth to you. Receive my favor. Receive my blessing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. David, can we pray for you? Just come come down here a moment. This is... Um, And we're going to have the word of the Lord here in just a minute. I'm looking so forward to it. <laughs> I want y'all all to come lay hands on David. I had a dream by him last night. You know, he's, he's believing for a job. We're going to stand and speak this thing into place. You know, it's not the best time of year to be in his situation. But he's in God's hands. So it's always the best time to be in his hands. Amen. <laughs> and what I saw in this dream, David, you were going up. And you were going up so high, you were a little bit, you were kind of looking around. I was there with you. I was just hanging on. <laughs> and, and I saw you. You even went up and you went up on this ladder. And you're way up on this little ladder. I'm thinking, who's got David tied on? And I see you're strapped in and everything. And I'm just hanging here and down. I, I happen to look. I, I don't have a ladder or anything. I'm just hanging on to him. I'm going, oh. said, does uh, anybody down there have a ladder? So I wanted to get down. And this big hand came up and said, just reach down. It's too far. But I reached down. And it's like it stretched up and just... Like uh, how you see a gymnast, he took the hand, took my foot, and it's just like, you know how they take these girls and they just, it was just like steady. I mean, it was just as steady as it'd be, and set me down. And I looked up, and you were still up there, and it was work. It was it was a blessing. You were doing a job. Hallelujah. And I don't believe you'll be, and you know. <laughs> skyscrapers or <laughs> cleaning windows up there. So <laughs> I just believe God's got something better. So we're going to lay our hands on you and just believe with you. And I know you're staying in faith. This is just what I felt led to do. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we release our faith with David and Barbara, Lord, for uh, a awesome job a job that takes him to a new level, to a new place, that, Lord, he's on firm, steady ground, but he's in a new adventure. He's in, in a place where he hasn't walked before. He hasn't been before, but he can see all for, for a long distance because, Lord, you brought him up. He's been faithful. He's been those one of those that has stood with you. And, Lord, I thank you that you're always good. And it's a, it's a time, it's a season of promotion and a lifting up. And there will be more than enough. There will be more than enough in the Nallen house. There will be completion. There will be supply. And there will be rest and provision. So abundance is coming. Abundance is here. <laughs> and the Lord says, I got you. I got you. I'm your provision. I'm your supply. So don't let fear, don't let anything, stress or anything try and overwhelm you. You keep your eyes on me and watch me steal the seed. Keep your eyes on me 
and let me blow a sweet wind in my spirit upon you to bring refreshing and stillness and strength. But you haven't seen anything yet. Don't be afraid to step up on the ladder. Don't be afraid to go to the next level because when you get there, you'll find I'm already there and I've already made the way for you. Hallelujah. Have something. Over and over again. Father, we thank you for increase and favor. Um, you have unmerited favor in Christ, but this is, goes beyond anything you could ever imagine. Father, we thank you for the favor. There's a you increase in favor. Oh my goodness, they go together. You increase in favor, Father. And I'm getting that scripture. May the God of hope fill you with all peace and believing. All joy and peace in believing. May you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord saith that you are his servants. And he has prepared the way for you to go to higher elevations. Higher than you've ever dreamed or imagined. The Lord will receive glory through your work. And through... The work of your hands, you shall bring glory and honor to the kingdom of God. Where you go, know that the kingdom of God has gone before you and prepared the way for you. Fear not. Just keep continuing to step forward in faith. Be bold. Thus saith the Lord. It's around you with favor as with a shield. Anybody else have anything? One thing, David, uh, in this in this structure, it's a beautiful place, but it was like this building was your building, and you were showing me around, and it, like I was up on this level, and you were showing me the the view and how beautiful it was. So it's like there's some ownership or, or something that's uh, that you're walking into. So, hallelujah. Come, Joe. Well, we we believe for spiritual breath, and and there was a wind that the Lord was bringing, a wind, a spiritual breath, a endurance wind to keep running the race. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that lung power in the spirit. David, when I touched your head, I just got, there was just like wisdom and glory when I touched it. So I'm like, don't go wash my hands. <laughs> <laughs> just touch my head anytime you want to. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's good. Well, how many are ready for the word? I'm, how many are addicted to the word? How many love the word of God? Boy, it's it's life. I just uh, love the word of God. And we got anointed uh, yesterday. No, when yesterday or was it Thursday? I was with a, a group of pastors and. One of them uh, had come here to our healing center and heard Joe teach. 
and uh, he said it was some of the most anointed teaching that penetrated his heart. And uh, I said, yeah, yep, that's her. You got the right one. So, so let's give the Lord thanks for this gifting and Joe and appreciate her so much. All right, cool. Well, I've got several versions here, but when Pastor was talking about since, um, Father, we just thank you and praise you. I know we've already prayed, but we're just so grateful. We're thankful, Father, for healing. We're thankful for ears that hear, and we have ears to hear today. And Father, we today see ourselves healed, whole, redeemed, as you see us. Father, we're taking your vision and applying it to our life, and we are not going to look and compare the giant to ourselves, but we're going to look at our God, and we're going to compare the giant to you, and there's no comparison. We win, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, what I'm going to talk to you about today is measuring your giant by the size of your God. Now, a pastor said something about that we're carriers. We are carriers. And we have Holy Spirit in us. We got the life of God in us. But how many times have we locked it inside of us and refused to let it out? It, when I say it. The anointing refused to let God out. Never an it. It's always God, but sometimes we treat it that way. And we lock up and we start looking inwardly instead of outwardly. And when we do that, all that precious treasure that's inside of us gets locked up in there and it doesn't flow freely because we will not allow it to flow freely. God wants to do a lot more than we have any idea that he wants to do. And, you know, we all have limits. I hate to say that, but we all have limits. And we have to, we have to actively work at getting our limits off doesn't do any good when we're limited and we know head knowledge that God will heal but somewhere between the head and there it is the heart has not been in abundance with the fact that yes God always heals it always comes it's not always received and that process we understand it up here a lot of times but we don't get it so sunk in our heart that we see the manifestation of it. Now, I don't know what happens with you, but sometimes when I go to pray for somebody, the first thought um, uh, used to be when somebody would tell me they were diagnosed with liver cancer and, um, and that it had metastasized to, metastasized to all the, the different organs you know, the first thought is, well, I wonder how much time the doctor gave them. You know, that was the old way of thinking. I'm not wild about that old way of thinking, but in the natural, if you follow the path of the natural, a person that has been diagnosed with that has very little time, very little time. And how you spend that very little time um, will depend on if you get any more time. 
the world says no. There's nothing else, nothing we can do. You know, you've got something in your body that the doctor says you're going to have to live with it the rest of your life. You have a choice, and you can believe the doctor. Now, thank God for doctors. I'm telling you, there's a lot of spirit-filled men and women of God that are practicing medicine that are lifelines that will pray with people, and they will believe God with people, and they will give God glory for the healing. They're few and far in between, but they're there. And um, so we, we never, you know, somebody told me the other day, well, I guess I'll finally, um, I, I know, I know, and it's all the explanation about I know, but I'm going to have to go to the doctor. I said, well, why didn't you go before? Well, because I didn't want somebody to think I wasn't in faith. I said, well, you go to the doctor in faith. The doctor is not your healer. He is not your source. God is your healer. God is your source. And so you go in faith, believe in God for a change. Now, if you cannot see it before you see it, you will never see it. What do I mean by that? If you don't get it with the eye of your faith and see yourself restored, healed, absence of that thing, then you have mentally ascended to the fact that God heals and God does heal. But typically what happens with that is God, you will see God heal everybody around you, but you think you're doing everything you know to do, but inside you're empty. The inside is not full. I love what Kenneth Copeland did with the glass. And it was drop, 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 drop. How many drops does it take to fill the glass? Well, it depends how big the glass is. I just picture that glass and a drop going in, a drop going in, a drop going in, a drop going in. It's getting taller and fuller and fuller and fuller. How many does it take to overflow? One drop. One drop to overflow numerous, hundreds, maybe thousands of drops to get to full. Well, that's the word of God in us. You put the word in, you put the word in, you put the word in, you think, oh my goodness, put the word in, put the word in, put the word in. Now, here's where the devil gets us sometimes is we will put it in real nice, but we won't. We won't prophesy. We won't speak it out. The devil will say, well, you know, you don't look healed. You're not healed. You can't, you can't run around saying you're healed. Well, you have to know what God says about the word of God. You have to know that God's word is truth, that he's not a man, that he should lie. Has he not said it? Shall he not do it? You have to know that he's no respecter of persons. These are all basic things that we teach just about every healing school. They're, they're, um, they're very basic, but yet many people still have not gotten it from their head into their heart. And they're so busy trying to do and to get healed that they miss the fact that they are not the healer. And there is not anything of them themselves that they can do to get healed except to position themselves to receive. Now, in, you can bear this out. In Hebrews 3 and 4, you can go through that. But it says that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Our job is to root out unbelief. Now, what is now, what is actually believing? Believing is seeing before you see. Believing is doing and acting like God. God said that you call those things that be not as though they were. He doesn't say you wait for the manifestation and then praise the Lord. He said you call. He said in the beginning 
were the, the uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They said, let's make man in our image. And they created him a speaking spirit. We're created a speaking spirit. So we are a spirit. We will live forever. You decide in this lifetime where you're going to spend eternity, either heaven or hell. That's your choice. No choice is a choice not for God. It's against. Guess where you're going. So you decide in this lifetime. That's our spirit man. We never die. We have a soul, our mind, our will, and emotions, and we have an earth suit. For those that say, oh, well, bless their heart, they don't have to worry, they're healed now because they're in heaven. Is that an accurate statement? No. Are you taking, you, are you taking this old body to heaven with you? I'm not taking this one. So it ain't going with me. I got a glorified one that's coming. It's been paid for. I just don't have that redemption of my physical body yet. God paid for our spirit man to be born again. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. That is your spirit man. Now, what does he say about your soul? He said, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not talking about your eternal being. It's already born again at this point for those that have accepted Jesus now. What he's talking about is you, Romans 12, 1 and 2, you have to renew your mind. Do not be conformed, but be ye, constant state of being, transformed. I always say caterpillar to a butterfly difference. You're not caterpillar to a butterfly. Something is wrong with the transformation. You might have been in the cocoon too long. You need to get out. Transform. And the only way you transform is putting the word of God in and putting the word of God in, putting the word of God in. So I want to go to 1 Samuel. And I laid that groundwork for, um, for several different reasons. But measuring, when you measure your giant by the size of your God, it implies several different things. Number one, here comes the report, and the report says, oh, I just hate to tell you, but um, this disease have encroached on your body, and there's nothing we can do for you anymore. Go home. Make your plans, because you're going to be departing. You know, the first thing that tries to grip you is what? Fear, right? And fear try to grip you? We're going to talk about fear and what happened in this account of, of, of Bible history. It's so wonderful. You have a choice when you have a report that comes. Now, maybe a minor report. Maybe, maybe you got a corn on your toe or something like that. It's irritating, but it's not life-threatening. So did Jesus pay for that? All right. Now, put yourself, just switch positions for a second, and um, let's just say somebody we know and love has come and given us each a brand new house and filled it with all the furniture. And then on a bank account, left you whatever sum of money you thought was a large sum of money in there and has decorated everything. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. Thank you. And so um, everything is just picture perfect. And so, but you say, you know, I really like it, and I'm really thankful. Thank you so much. But I just can't, I can't accept it. I just can't dirty anything. I can't touch anything. And um, somebody gave me some wonderful little hand towels, and one of them has my name on it, and they're, they're Christmassy things. And, um, 
And um, I thought, well, I'll use them today. And I thought, oh, but I don't want them to get dirty. <laughs> Isn't that how we are? You know, we, we don't, somewhere inside, in, in, deep inside, beyond the mind's capacity, but deep inside, we have sunk in there somewhere that the price was all paid for, but we can only have the part we think we're entitled to. So all of that is too much. Now, bring it back to the things of God. Everything Jesus paid for. He paid that we are not lacking in our bank account. He, are, he paid that we can live long and live strong. He paid that our mind works the way he designed it to work. He paid for every organ in every tissue, everything to be lifed with the lifeblood of God, the breath of God in operation in our body. Yet, we think that we know but we haven't dropped it into our spirit, who we are and what we're entitled to. And we're on the outside of the house looking to say, that's a wonderful thing. I know he did it, but I don't know if that includes me. Can I have that? I know Pastor Bob deserves all that, but you don't know what I've done. See, and the whole thing is, is Jesus does. He paid for it. He willingly, he said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down. Nobody takes it. But if you're unwilling to appropriate that which belongs to you, you'll never enter into the fullness of it. Now, it's all wonderful to say, oh, yes, I believe I receive it and I have it. Mental. That is a mental thing if it is not hooked up with the power. And in order to be hooked up with the power, this is what we need to do. Let's go to 1 Samuel. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture. Actually, I was going to have um, my friend read a lot of scripture because he has a little accent. He sounds really nice. But for the sake of time, we're going <laughs> to do it a little different. I'm going to read in 17, uh, 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to start in 4. And then we all know the account. It's David and Goliath. But I just want to show you a few things about this. And um, Kenneth Hagin long ago wrote a book about writing your ticket with God. And basically, God showed them four different things. To say it, to do it, uh, to receive it, and to tell it. Say it and do it. And he actually references in that book, he references uh, David and Goliath. And so we're going, to, um, we're going to explore it here. There went out a champion from the camp of the Philistines. Goliath was his name from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Anybody know how six cubits and a span were? Anywhere from 9.9 .9 to 11 feet. They said they measured the cubits at different point in history at different times, different measures. So nine point, okay, so let's just say he was 10 feet tall. Now I want you to picture because um, I want to show you something when we get there. Um, 10 feet tall. Pastor Bob, how tall are you? So, Pastor Bob's right at 6 feet. So, take Pastor Bob and take another 40%. And that's a big man, don't you think? That's a big man. So, he had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. Now, do you know what a coat of mail is? It is, 
let me find my definition here. It is a type of armor consisting of small metal rings linked together in a pattern to form a mesh. Does that tell you anything? No, it doesn't tell me anything either, but a picture is worth a thousand words. So let's see if we can find this and you guys can take a look at this. Now, so here we have a 10-foot tall man who is armored in this coat. Basically, it's a heavy metal coat. Can you guys see? Can you see it? So, why is that important? Think about the man's stature and as we read of what he was equipped with. Look at this. So, he had a helmet of bronze, okay, the coat of mail. Now, the weight of the bronze coat was 5,000 shekels, somewhere between 125 and 135 pounds is what that was. So, here's a man, 10 foot tall. He's got this armor on. He's got this heavy coat, 125 pounds. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I could put 125 pounds on me and go do any battle. Can you? And that's not all he had. He had greaves of bronze on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. The staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. His iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. That's about 15 pounds. That's just the little, or the big spearhead, 15 pounds. So we got some weight going on here. And a shield bearer went before him. Now, when we read these accounts, a lot of times we read, okay, there was Goliath, he was big. So what? But when you look at it, here's a man of big stature, and he is shielded up, and he has, he, he's got so much stuff, and he's got, can you imagine if you were the little shield bearer? Now, just think, I would imagine that the shield is pretty big, because the shield covers a lot of Goliath, I would think. So this little shield bearer, now he's got Goliath behind him. What do you think the little shield bearer is thinking? I've got Goliath. Nothing's going to happen to me. Because my first thought was, I don't want to be somebody's shield bearer. I've got to be in front of them. They may get to me before they get to them, you know, even though you got the shield. But with Goliath behind him, don't you know that man probably had no thought about anything. He went out probably bold and prideful. He's, he's in front of Goliath. He's not concerned about anything that's going to happen to him. So he stood and called out to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am not I the Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose for yourselves a man and let him come down to me. Now, I want to ask you something. Why is it that the enemy gets to choose how we engage? Goliath is telling him, okay, now here's all the armies, and the armies are lined up against one another. And Goliath is out there taunting them and telling them, you know, you little sissies, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to get a man up here and defeat me. Why do we have to do what the enemy says? We need to think outside the box. God's got other plans. God has got other plans for us. It doesn't have to be. So when you get that thought about, oh, you need to do, you got this report, you need to do something, don't, 
don't go to the enemy's camp and get his ways because his ways are not victory for you. I heard uh, Bill Winston the other day, he was talking about, he went to uh, um, a different com- country to, um, uh, to minister, and as he walked in the door, there was a um, voodoo guy uh, with all his little things, and he was putting hexes on everything. And, and uh, I thought, well, what, what would I do if that was the case? You know, what's your first thought, you know, um, as to what happens with that? And he said, well, you know, he said, you need to know who you are. He said, if you know who you are, that's not a problem. But he said, if you understand what's going on, that he is, he is releasing demonic spirits into that atmosphere is what he's doing. And most people that know nothing about the spiritual realm would be intimidated by those actions. But when you know who you are and you take authority over it, I think it was Smith Wiggles' work one time, he went into a meeting and some guy had levitated a chair to the top of the ceiling and um, had been there for quite a while. It's way up in the top and he saw it. He said, come down from there in the name of Jesus. And he said, that chair smacked right down. He knew who he was. He knew the power that he had. And that is that provision of everything that Jesus paid for. If you know who you are and you know whose you are, then you partake in what has been provided. So choose for yourselves a man and let him come down. If he is able to fight with me and to strike me down, then we will be your servants. I like that we thing. If he's able to fight with them and strike them down, because he never expects to lose, does he? We will be your servants. Well, if he strikes you down, you ain't going to be around. How, is, how are you going to be anybody's servant? So he, had quite, he was quite confident that he wasn't going anywhere. But if I prevail against him and strike him down, then will you be our servants and will serve us? The Philistines said, I defy the battle lines of Israel this day. So he's taunting the Israelites. Give me a man and let us fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were filled with terror and were greatly afraid. Now, in another, uh, in another uh, translation, it says they hid behind the rocks. Saul... Saul, the king, hid behind the rocks. What did Goliath do? What was Goliath doing at this point? He's just talking, wasn't he? What were the Israelites doing? Listening and hiding. They had actions that corresponded with what they heard and what they believed. And then what they said we're going to find out is um, not anything wonderful either. So, now David was the son of that Ephronite of Bethlehem in Judea, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons. And the man was old in the days of Saul and advanced in years. The three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of the three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and Aminadab, and the third was Shammah. As for David, he was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David would go back and forth from Saul to shepherd his father's flock in Bethlehem. The Philistine stepped forward morning and evening and took his stand daily for 40 days. What does the Israelites do? Morning and evening, they took 
their stand and listened for 40 days to what was going to be done to them. Woe is me. They looked at the giant. They looked at the report. They looked at the natural. They refused to look at anything. Yet God had delivered them and delivered them and delivered them and delivered them. They didn't have anything in them to look for God. They were so entranced at looking at Goliath that they missed everything God had done. When you get your eyes so on the doctor's report and you get your eyes so on your body as what it's doing, what it's not doing, how it's not going to be, how your parents have, how your sister has, you know, when you go to the doctor, they ask you, well, does this run in your family? I don't know. It doesn't run in me. I, I don't even answer those questions. I don't know. I do know this under my breath. It doesn't run in me. I'm not going to argue with anybody about it, but I'm going to say what God says about me. And you can tell me what you need to tell me, but God. But I'll tell you, I had a situation just this last week that I was told some things that were going to happen in the process of things and whatever, and I smiled real nice and just didn't really do anything. And all the time I'm thinking... But you don't really know what I know. I know my God. And this ain't over. This is not over. This is not over. As a matter of fact, not only is it not over, but you're going to see changes. Now, I'm not going to... It's fruitless to sit and argue with somebody who doesn't understand and doesn't see what you see. Because you're going to see here that David was told what he couldn't do. And how, basically, how stupid to think that you, and he was disqualified on many avenues. But God made no junk. He didn't make any junk. He made provision for you to succeed, not to fail. So it's really up to us to decide whose, whose report are we going to believe? Who are we going to look at? Are we going to fix our eyes on God and what God said and then get wisdom from God how to navigate everything? Are we going to look at the giant? Are we going to look at the circumstances? Are we going to look what's what's happening or what's not happening, what's being provided, what's not being provided, and then uh, make our decisions based on that? When you go with lack and provision, you will always go with lack and provision. You will never see yourself with having anything more than what you have when you go that way, when you see that and you talk that way. So, um, so the Philistine stepped forward morning and evening, took a stand daily for 40 years. Then Jesse said to David, his son, take now for your brothers an ephah, and I think that's 30, about 36 pounds of what he's taken, of parched grain, 10 loaves, and run to the camp to your brothers. Carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of their thousand and look into your brother's health and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and all of Israel fighting men were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose up early in the morning and took and left the flock with the keeper, and he carried away the food and went as Jesse had commanded him. And when he came to the encampment, the army was going out to the battle line, and they shouted a war cry, and Israel and the Philistines ordered themselves in battle lines, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of the equipment, and he ran to the battle line. And he went and greeted his brothers as he was speaking with them. The champion, Goliath, from the Philistine from Gath, was going up from the battle line of the Philistines. And he spoke 
these same words, and David heard them. Now, I kind of, when I, when I get a thing of Goliath, I kind of don't think he was standing in one place. I think he was walking to and fro in, in speaking because it says the enemy goes to and fro seeking whom he may devour. And so, you know, as with the reports and sometimes with friends, it's like, oh, you better watch out. You better do this. You know, this disease does this and that disease. I think Goliath was out there taunting them, and he is walking. He is looking at that army and defying, saying, hey, you know, you, you, wanna, you want some of me? Come on, come on. I think he was puffed up and thought he was undefeatable. That's what the enemy thinks. He's undefeatable. But sometimes I think he gets hung up in his pride. Because when we look at David and what David did and how David, you know, everybody knows the ending is a good one. But do you know that later on that David went through some really hellish stuff? Really? We all, we, we center on this, but he went through a lot of stuff when Saul was after him. It was a, you know, he hid whatever. Um, I mean, everything he could do, people turned him in. I mean, all sorts of different things. And yet, you know, the scriptures talk about David being a man after God's own heart. You know, sometimes I think, well, Lord, how come you didn't deliver him quicker? You know, we don't know all of God's ways. His ways are higher, but he said unto us, it's been given to know the mysteries of how the kingdom operates. So you can get everything I told you belongs to you. So he said, um, when all of Israel, let's see. Okay, and he spoke these. He spoke these same words. Did I get there? No. Okay. Okay. So uh, Goliath came out, and he was going to the battle line. He spoke the same words, and David heard them. When all Israel's fighting men saw the man, they fled from him, and they were very afraid. They fled. All the man did was talk and taunt. That's what he had working for him. Remember, the devil doesn't come except with thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. The men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Have you seen? Can I look at, can I say it this way? Are you looking with your natural eyes for your victory? If you're looking with your natural eyes for your victory, you're looking wrong. You're looking at how big the circumstances are, not how big your God is. You have to see with your spiritual eyes that you have what you believe in God for. Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it will be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughters, will make his father's house exempt from taxes in Israel. Like that one. David spoke to the man that stood by him, saying, What will be done for the man that kills this Philistine and takes away this reproach from Israel? You know what? David had a different view, didn't he? He was looking at this was a reproach from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he could do this to God's army? He was not looking. He was not looking small. He was looking up. He had a bigger plan and a purpose, and he was just incensed that somebody could get away with us. We ought to be that way with the devil. How, how, do you, how dare you come after me? I'm a child of the Almighty God. I have rights and privileges. You cannot. 
See, when we rise up and start taking our authority that God has given us is when we start seeing things happen. Because we, what we do is we position ourselves to receive what God has already given to us. We position ourselves. That means we hear the word of God, hear the word of God, hear the word of God. We're speaking the word of God. We're talking over, you know, Pastor did such a wonderful um, service last time about testimony, and then, it, uh, it, it, you know, it releases that anointing. And those that hear it, it builds up their faith and thinks, if they can do it, I can do it. If they can get it, I can get it. Isn't that right? It's so, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb's already been shed. Where's the word of your testimony? Whose report do you believe? What are you speaking? What do you have in your heart in abundance? All these things matter. So, um, and the people answered him in the same way, saying, so it will be done to the man who kills him. Elab, his brother, eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and his anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the evil of your heart. For you have come down that you might see the battle. Now, have you ever anybody come up to you and say, who are you that you think you could get healed? I know so-and-so who was a great preacher. They preached for a lot of years, and they went home to heaven. What, do you, what makes you think that you're better than they are? Sometimes it's some of your closest family members who just don't understand. But do you know what I found a lot of times? is what he accused him unjustly of is what he had in his heart. That's the way he viewed it. I see that a lot with racism and people touting racism. And a lot of times it reminds me of, you know, it takes one to know one. It's because the heart is so filled up with things that are not of God. God is not for any type of racism. He's not for treating anybody any different. He's not for treating the wealthy well and the poor badly. He's not for treating the stinky people badly either. And there's a lot of stinky people. There's a lot of stinky people in the natural, and there's a lot of stinky people in the spiritual. You know, God, that's not God's way. But that attack is meant to come and steal that little germ that you have that you think, I am healed. God said it. I'm grabbing a hold of his word. I'm not letting it go until I see it. And here comes somebody who's close in nature to you saying, who are you? What makes you think you can do this? And, you know, later on we're going to see that um, David was a youngster. And um, um, as a youngster, who are you? Well, you know, I've seen three-year-olds pray and miracles take place. <laughs> you don't think it changes your opinion of some stuff? It's like if I can, if I can teach a child anything and, I, you know, and if they want to pray, as long as they know something about the scriptures, because I've had one pray one time, take it all off and put it back on. I thought, oh, my God, no, <laughs> don't do that. But the little ones get it because the filter is not clogged up. They haven't learned how to do it badly. And they get it, and it doesn't take any time. They get it quick, and they get miraculous stuff. 
It's phenomenal to watch the little ones that have been taught. I want to be like them when I grow up. So, okay, so he's the brothers really giving him a hard time. David said, what have I done now? Was it not only a word? Why not just asking some questions? What's going on? What, what are you having a canary about? And he turned from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as in the first. When the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. This is David. He's going to go fight. Here's what Saul says to him. Um, Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine. Who are you? Who are you? That you think. Now, I kind of wonder, because, you know, if, if you're looking at a teenager said they're going to go do this, you know, we, a lot of teenagers have a lot of ambition. They think they're never going uh, to die. They'll live forever. You know, they're fearless in a lot of stuff they do. And as the commander-in-chief, if you were the commander-in-chief, and you looked at Saul, if you looked at David, and you looked at Goliath, would you have let David go up against Goliath? Think about that. I thought that was a great weight on his shoulders because he's responsible. But all of the men of Israel were hiding in caves because they heard bad news, and that bad news paralyzed them. It paralyzed them. See, what I have found in time is that no decision is paralyzation, and you're on the road to defeat. No decision paralyzes you and when you're paralyzed you can't go forward you can't go backward but you go backward because if you're not moving forward you eventually go backward there's no standing still but it you're on the road to defeat and I always put it in like if you're in a canoe in the river and you've got paddles and your paddles are in your hands but not in the water but you say I want to go over to that side but the current's taking me this way. You got the oars in your hands, but you refuse to put them in the water to move. You're going to go in the way of the current. You're not going to go to the other side unless you do something to get there. So are the things of God. You've got to do something to get there. So uh, David has stepped out here, and Saul says, no, 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 you can't do this. But um, uh, he said, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. He looked at what was not possible. David was looking at God and what is possible. David said to Saul, your servant was a shepherd for my father's flock. And the lion came, the bear, and, um, and took, out, took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I took hold of his beard, struck him, and killed him. Hmm, I'd like that. Your servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them because he has reviled the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Now, he had confidence in God. There's always going to be something. There's going to be a lion or a bear that's going to come after you. But 
look at this. How many lions and bears have you tackled in the years past? All of us have a few seasons on us. All of us have a few victories, some minor, some big. Maybe you prayed, you got your headache, gone. Maybe you prayed and you're, they said you had um, ABC. Years ago, they told me I had high blood pressure. And my question was, um, well, how many of your patients have ever come off this medication? And he went, mm, none. I said, well, I'll be your first. And I was. See, you make a quality decision. The quality decision is I am going to do it God's way. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to enter I'm going to labor to enter into his rest. I am not going to labor to be healed. I'm going to labor to enter into his rest. Now, I heard somebody say this, which I think is very true. When you've listened and 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 listened to the word of God, and then you've listened and listened and listened to you think you can't listen to one more iota, it's usually when you listen and listen and listen some more that you get set free. And I want you to picture that glass because that listening and listening and listening is your glass filling up and filling up and filling up and filling up. It takes one drop to overflow. And out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. So, let's see. So he's got, Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor. Okay, this is another man's way. So here Saul said, okay, go ahead and go, David, but you're going to take my armor. And he put a helmet of bronze on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. Remember, for Goliath, it was 125 pounds. Now, we don't know how big, I don't know how big Saul was and how much his coat weighed, but let's just say it even weighed half of that. We're talking about a youngster, what was uh, David, about 17, 16, 17 about this time. And uh, so his, even if it was 75 or 80 pounds on him, would be a big amount of weight to carry to go into battle. And David uh, secured his sword to the armor and tried to walk. I'd love to see that. But he was not used to it, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk with these for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Here's a couple of decisions I want you to see here. People are going to tell you how to do what to do. I know Aunt Susie had this particular disease and whatever. This is what she did. Go after this. Do this. Seek this. But you know, how you get it from God is the way to go. Get in the word of God. Be led by your peace. How you walk this out you get it from God. Don't be moved by what other people. It's not that you don't take their advice. You listen. Then when you go in your prayer closet, you pray and say, Lord, what do I do here? How do I combat this? You know, God may give you something to speak. It may be just that simple that he tells you, you know, I sent my word and healed you and delivered you from all destruction. You know, whatever you hear in the spirit, that's what you do. So David made a choice. Now, what if he wanted to please Saul? What if he's trying to please somebody, be on good terms because this person has position? How do you think that would end it for David? Not so well. But he went back to something was proved. So he recounted something. He said, the lion and the bear that I've already, he already was, were smitten by him. What does that tell you about? Go back and get testimonies. 
and start rehearsing the testimonies. Those are the line and the bear in your life. I've already been through this one. I've already been through this one. This is how God delivered me here. This is how God delivered me here. This is what happened here. I remember that. You start getting those testimonies, and inside of you, all of a sudden, some power boils up, and something will sink. It will drop from just knowing something to knowing something. Have in it. By his stripes, I am healed. And you will go forth. So the lion and the bear, use them. That's what David did. Use them. He used them as a testing ground. So, so David took them off. He took his staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones out of the brook. Now, if you were analyzing this situation that was happening, you know, would you be one of the ones that say, you're just going to use five stones? You just have stones? I heard somebody say this. I thought it was pretty good. You know why he did five stones, don't you? Goliath had four siblings, brothers. So I wonder if he was being prepared for every... I wonder what happened to Goliath's siblings because the Bible doesn't come out and say they're coming out to avenge anything, does it? So Goliath was the, the big cheese of all of it. So, so he put the stones in his, in his bag, and um, his, sling, his sling was in his hand. His sling was in his hand. His sling was in his hand. Do you get it? He's already equipped and ready with proven weapons. What's your proven weapon? The Word of God in your mouth, speaking it. What you believe, what the word of God has said, that's your proven weapon. Then he drew near to the Philistines. The Philistine came walking and drew near to David, and the man bearing the shield went before him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, ha, 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 he despised him. What are you doing here? You're just a kid. You've got to be kidding me. Can you imagine what he was saying? The enemy underestimates us all the time. Too bad many times we live up to his, you know, his expectation but he underestimates that you will use the power that God gave you. See, they can use that to your advantage many days. He also thinks and tries to convince us we're so insignificant. What can one person do? What can one person do? I heard, uh, and I think I said this last time, I heard about this man that... Um, they had a celebration for him, and the whole place was uh, full. His wife had arranged it because she found some paperwork in the attic. And back in, um, in World War II, he had taken smuggled babies out in his briefcase or whatever. And I guess he was able to get like 600 babies out of Nazi Germany that went on to live. And there was, I don't know if there were 600 in the thing, but the ones that were still surviving that came and the place was all packed. And he never told a soul. He had written it down, the names and the numbers and the places and whatever else. So there was a record and his wife had found it in the attic. He had no idea what was going on. One person. Now, he affected 600 people right then of their lives but how many did he affect because how many people did those people affect and how many people did those people everybody they touched he affected 
That's just an awesome thing. So when you think one person doesn't matter, think of that man. So David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have reviled. This day, this day, I like that. This day, sickness and disease is put on notice. You're at the end. This day, this day, I like it. Will the Lord deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head? Boy, he's declaring something, isn't he? So then I will give the corpses of the Philistine camp this day to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the earth so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And then all this assembly will know that it is not by sword and spear. Can I say it this way? It's not by your hard work. It is not by your effort. It is not by all your preparation. It is not by any of your worry. It is not by any of that. By the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony is what it's by. It is not by sword or spirit that the Lord saves, for the battle belongs to the Lord, and he will give you into our hands. When the Philistine arose and came near to meet David, David hurried and ran toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Listen, this is action. He hurried. He hurried. He was in a hurry to get his victory. He was in a hurry to do something. David put his hand, now listen, can you get the picture of this? He is running and he's in a hurry. He's got his sling and it says he put his hand in the bag as he's running. Can you imagine? He has his eyeballs on the giant and he has his, he's already picked out the target where he's going with his slingshot, isn't he? And I believe that he is looking straight at his target. And as he's running, he puts his hand in that bag and he's got the sling in his hand and he's running. He's hurrying. He put that in there. You know, the word of God is that rock in your hand. And it hits the target every time. I see him as having his eyes right to where it needs to go. And then from there he took out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. Therefore the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine. And he stopped there, right? No, 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 no. When you get a measure of victory, don't stop. Just because a symptom goes away, don't stop. Get a complete victory where you never have to deal with it again. And he said, um, um, let's see, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck down the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Remember what David said? I'm not doing it by sword. It's not by sword. He was struck in the forehead, knocked out, knocked dead, and he said, but it didn't stop him until he was complete until the whole task was complete. What did he say? This day, I'm going to take your head from you, and I'm going to feed it to the birds. Isn't that what he said? What he said is now coming. He can't be, if he doesn't get his head, he can't do what he said, did he? So David prevailed, okay. So therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine. Then he took his sword, the Philistine sword, enemy gets stuck with his own sword. Do you love it? 
he used the enemy's own weapon to overcome him. And he drew it from out of his sheep, and he finished him off and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. That's what happens when the devil finds out that you know he's defeated. He takes off for a season. Isn't that wonderful? And the fighting men of Israel and Judah rose and shouted. Now they're happy. And they pursued the Philistines from the entrance of the valley of Eli as far as the gates of Ekron. So the Philistine, uh, so the Philistine dead lay slain on the road of whatever that is, as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. Now, uh, I want to go down to... Actually, I want to stop right there, and I want to just tie it up in a bow. David completed what he said, but in the beginning, he took a stand. He made a quality decision. He looked at God instead of looking at the giant. When you get a report that's not good, the report is in this hand and what they say and all the voices that are saying and history and what you've known in the past and what you've known of people that have had this particular symptom and whatever. All of that bombards your head. It's designed for fear to overwhelm you and you for, for, for you to become incapable of doing anything besides hiding behind the rock and fearing the next thing that's going to happen. Now you remember that without faith it's impossible to please God. Fear is the enemy's currency. Faith is God's currency. So you empower one or the other. No fear is good. God said, fear not, only believe. And so believing is seeing what God said, what God said belongs to you. Now, believing can also be what the doctor said belongs to you. How do you see yourself? Whose report do you believe? And if you tend to be in the camp where you think you'll never be rid of sickness and disease, I can tell you I've got a wonderful way that you can get out of the devil's camp and get into God's camp. You have to know that sickness and disease is never of God. It doesn't come from God. How would he give it to you? Any ideas? He doesn't have any. There's none in heaven. This body is not going to heaven. You don't need that provision. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That is not when you're dead. It's in this lifetime. He said, I put a table before you in the presence of your enemies. So if there's a table before you in the presence, overflowing of your enemies, you got any enemies in heaven? The devil's not there. He's not allowed. See, when you start looking at all these things, the weapons he's given us are for here and they're for now. If you don't know how to use them, if you don't know that it's God's will for you to be healed, if, you're, if you refuse to make a decision to do something, you know, David could have yacked his jaws all he wanted. And he could have hid behind the rocks with the rest of them. Yeah, it's a pretty bad thing, isn't it? It's a pretty bad thing. And you know what? He would have got what everybody else got. This is a young person, unlikely to step out. No, his family didn't think he was worth doing anything. The king said, no, you can't do it. Then finally said, oh, yeah, but you can use all my armor. And David knew something about who he was and who he was in God and who God was. And he looked at God for the solution. And, you know, he, he recognized that God prepared him for such a time as this with the lion. 
God prepared him in the field. God prepared him when his whole family looked at him like, well, not his whole family, but his brother obviously did, that um, he was nothing and couldn't do anything. Giants look big when we measure by ourselves. If the measurement is up against us, the giant wins every time. Because, um, you know, just look, there's a bunch of ladies here today. Ladies, you see somebody who is uh, younger, slimmer, dressed better, whatever. Oh, I like that outfit. I wish that outfit would look good at me. Everything always looks green over there, you know, when you compare to yourself. But when you, compare, when you look at God and compare that disease, that situation to God, and you know that God's no respecter of persons. So not only can you get it all, but they can get it all. That's a wonderful thing. I heard this um, week, got some kind of rotten news about somebody who had done something not good. And um, probably the only remorse they have is because they got caught and um, uh, went to do a plea bargain and uh, the, um, thought everything was pretty good. And somebody else was not happy because it was just a little slap on the wrist type of thing. And, and, uh, and then the next thing they knew, the judge said, mm -mm, I'm not approving that plea bargain. You're going to go to trial. Do you not know in that moment that that person, probably all the energy drained out of them, all the thought they had it in the bag, and they were caught, but it was a nominal thing that, you know, they were going to, and all of a sudden their whole world rocks. Now, I look at that and I think, mercy, God, mercy, mercy. They need mercy. But I want mercy and also revelation knowledge so that they're never in this spot again. You know, don't give them what they deserve. Give them mercy. But whatever it takes to bring them out so they never have to visit this again is what I want. There's something about when you look at God and you know he's no respecter of persons and he'll give you everything that was paid for. Wouldn't you be upset if you were the provider of that example earlier of the house and the furnishings and whatever else and the person to whom you gave it wouldn't enter in because they didn't think they could or they were good enough to do it? Well, Jesus bought and paid every bit of sickness and every bit of disease. He paid the price. Sometimes I wonder if God looks at us and says, what is the matter with you? Why don't you enter in? Well, it's too hard. Well, sickness and disease is easy. You like going to the doctor's office? You like sitting there for hours? You like your pain to, your, your, the, the pain to be at number 10? You like your body to tell you how miserable it is? You like to feel bad? You don't think that that has a cost? Why not turn that around and put the word of God in you in volume and get what God says belongs to you? So you must see the answer bigger than the problem. Know it's God's will for you to be healed. Um, you got to face your giant. It's an important thing. Sickness and disease, you got to face it. I always say, you know, I look at it this way. you got to get a determination. Have you ever not wanted to face some things that were coming? Sometimes I'm not, I'm not thinking about that today. Just, I, it's not a today thing. I can't, I can't conquer it today. And the next morning I get up and today, today's the day. We're going to go eyeball to eyeball and I'm going to win. 
because I am not doing the other thing. I am doing this. And, but it takes something, and that's the word of God in you, to make a quality decision. A quality decision, there's no more argument, but there's no more retreat. You're going to do what you said you're going to do. So you say it, you do it, you have to receive it. It's a funny thing about receiving. We always think we're receiving. Well, believing is receiving it. But believing is seeing it before you see it. And seeing it before you see it is getting in God's word to know what God said about it and then to convince, have the word of God to convince you that you have possession and it belongs to you. So I think I said all those. Let's see. Let me conclude. Goliath came out saying, they listened to the enemy. You know, you got to wonder how come, put earplugs in. Stop listening to the bad news. If you've got something that's going around your brain and fear is trying to get in, turn it off. Quit listening. Shut it off. Get away from those people. Whatever you need to do to turn your vision back to God and get all the other stuff out. There may be a time you can just close yourself off for a week. Don't talk to anybody. Don't do anything. Just feed the word, feed the word, feed the word, feed the word. The word will change you. So they listened to the enemy. They looked at the giant and the circumstances. Not past performance. How many times have we been somewhere and God has delivered us and did wonderful things? We've long forgot about it and we're facing something. Yet you think, oh, I just don't know. I just don't know. And you go back in the past and you pick up and you speak what that testimony that God has done. Something stirs up inside of you and gives you some courage and gives you some oomph to go ahead and grab a hold of what God has for you. Complete and total restoration. They hid. They hid. They couldn't go forward due to fear. And you remember what fear is? False evidence appearing real. Sometimes you just have to look at the report and say, ah, that's just fear. False evidence. That's just false evidence. Well, how can you say it's false? Well, if God said something and the report is something and God is truth and the report is a fact, whose report do you believe? Whoever you line up with is what you get because what you line up with, you're going to say and then you're going to receive. You're going to receive what you say. So for 40 days, they meditated on the lies of the enemy. 40 days they meditated. 40 days they spent listening to the lies of the enemy. How many other things they could have done? Have you spent 40 days listening to the lies of the enemy? If you spent five minutes listening, it's five minutes too long. So um, there was great opposition. So they did not recognize their way out when it arrived. Do you see that? None of them recognized David as God's answer to the situation. But David knew it. And he was unmoved. He was not moved by what anybody else said about the circumstances. He knew his God was going to provide victory for him. And he was not moved by a friend. He wasn't moved by a brother. He wasn't moved by the giant. He wasn't moved by the enemies. But none of them, none of those folks recognized that he was their victory. Isn't that amazing? 
don't look at the circumstances. God's got victory for you, and you may not esteem that person to have a word for you. You may not esteem that it's going to make any difference for you, but you listen inside and see what God says about it. So you need to run towards your giant, declare with your voice, you have to go full throttle. David was running, got the slingshot, he's got his weapons, he's got his hand in his pocket, and he's got his eye on the target, and he's doing everything. He's been through it. He's done it. He's going to, he's, I bet you that man saw that in his eyes, in his, in his mind. Uh, he was determined to win. Yet his weapon in his hand, he was fearless, and he was trusting God. So, not really sure what report you have today and what your circumstances look like. But I can tell you this, but God, but God, but God, but God. We are sometimes our way out. Sometimes other people come alongside of us and help us. But we are always the starting line. Believe God. That he who is in us is greater than he that's in the world. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Let it out. Let it out. Don't imprison it in. Tell God, God, I'm trusting you. I'm believing you. Even if you start up in your head, it doesn't make any difference because eventually if you stay at it, it will sink into your heart. It will hook up with faith, and faith will explode, and it will be the overflow drop that takes you where you need to go. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. Yeah.